It's time for building the game. Building the game with Jason and friends. Tabletop game design. The the end of the episode that's when it technically ends hello and welcome to building the game a documentary podcast today is monday may 30th and you're listening to episode 522 as always i'm your host jason here today joined by a gaggle of geese uh also known as nate darty michael wasbrock kelly hoagland the gaggle of geek wares Ooh, that's even better i like that um welcome everybody how's everybody doing oh <gasps> Uh, 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 I can't make geese goose noises. <laughs> Sounds like when I try and make the Chewbacca noises. It's never good. <laughs> it's never ever good. So bad. I'm just. We've already created the first thing you have to edit. My goal for this episode is to make you edit so much. <laughs> you are gonna fail because he just won't. I'm just <laughs> gonna leave you, it all that's in. Risky little game you're playing because I'm not gonna edit unless I have to. As oh, evidenced boy. by the fact that the listeners are hearing this right now. Right. Yeah. Well, hey. Um, so we thought uh, we, we talked about, you know, traditionally we've recorded at the at conventions and um, yeah, we've recorded like at conventions. And there's a few reasons we didn't do that this time. One, uh, we had pretty much lost our voices and our mm-hmm. will to chat about board games uh, by Saturday night or Sunday morning. Um, and then two, um, Michael kept asking questions about what the audio would sound like, um, because he was worried that it was going to sound bad, um, Mm -hmm. because Michael thinks about that sort of thing. And Nate and Kelly, um, their expectations are pretty low because they've been around for so long. Um, but, uh, so anyway, so I'm joking around, but we decided to do this this way. And, uh, actually I'm super excited about it because we've had a little time to reflect, forget a lot of what's happened. Um, and then also, um, also, uh, yeah, yeah, we had, we had a listener say, Hey, I think it's a great idea that you're doing it this way. So, so I took that as that's definitely what we should be doing and I'm excited about it. Yeah. I I should never make a podcast because I would spend so much time trying to make it sound good that I would never actually make the podcast. (laughs) You would be, you would be Chris Michaud. Um, Except he actually did it because right. He, he put in the, he put in the time I would. I wouldn't make it that far. Right. I would want to be Chris. Fair enough. Yeah, Chris is a. I, at least what I've gathered is he's a bit of a perfectionist on that end of it. Just a bit, just a bit. But what ends up happening is you get this magical podcast from this guy. Uh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, I was uh, actually thinking today uh, about how the way they did flip the table, they it's kind of um, timeless in the sense that you know like on this show and most shows, you know, references come up to things happening in the real world, mm-hmm. you know, throughout time or throughout the episodes, but really flip the table. You could start right now and they have a timeline within the hundred episodes, mm-hmm. but there's really almost no real world references. It's true. So like, it's kind of its own little timeless bubble. It's kind of fun. It's, <laughs> Although that's now, point. Of course, one of the earliest episodes was Trump the board game, and um, maybe that one oh, didn't. That's true. Honest. Yeah, that <laughs> is true. Yeah, that didn't age very well. Um, yeah, let's uh, let's chat a bit about some Geekway here and what happened at the Geekway to the West. Mm. So, um, first off, I, so Nate and Kelly, you've both been there multiple times, I believe. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, we're, yeah. it's our hometown con, so. Mm-hmm. 
I've actually been to Grand Con more times than I've been to Kikwe, though. Because um, so my hometown's better than yours. Yeah. Well, I, we, I think we've had this conversation on other episodes <laughs> that it's sometimes hard to do your home con because home is right there. And so, yeah, it's true. You know, you, you kind mm-hmm. of, it's harder to separate yourself from your regular life when it's not too far away. Although it's odd because, you know, the Geekway is actually out in St. Charles, which is where I grew up, but I live down in the city. And so it's, it's about a 30 to 35 minute drive for me. So it's like, it's close, but it's not so close. I can just pop home and do something and pop back, you know? Right, right. So yeah, it's just sort of, but so yeah, I haven't gone to Geekway as much as I you would think. And, and a me, lot of times I just go there to like help out. Like I've gone a couple times to help out Katarski or something. Ah, yes. And for me, Grand Con specifically is about an hour. So it's just far enough that I stay because I don't feel like driving two hours a day when I could be playing games. So yeah, that, that does the trick. But so, uh, but what I was asking was Kelly and Nate, I'm curious, what was, what, what were your impressions of Geekway this year compared to previous years since you actually have years to compare it to? I mean, it was, uh, throughout the summer, there was actually a lot more people here than the last time mm. I was there. Was that 2019? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, and it was extra interesting because it was, yeah, 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 mask optional and your mask required and all that. So there was just people everywhere. But. Yeah, that was nice. They had, um, it was mask required in all the main areas. And then also in the, um, one of the, one of the big gaming halls. And then there was also a mask optional gaming hall, which I, I think is cool. I mean, if, if there's people that want to play without a mask, Hey, go for it. Just stay together, <laughs> play well, away I mean, from me. Don't be near me. And there, nobody, Nobody has to complain. It's great. Well, they did, did have proof of vaccination and whatnot too. So that, yes. that yeah. was yep. comforting as well. That was. Though I did get in. Well, I guess I showed it, but they forgot to give me a, a ribbon for it. So I was a little nervous about that at first. Yeah. Jason was just running around like an untagged Jaguar, just going wherever he wanted to. <laughs> I was. Yeah. They had to trank him to get it on there. Yeah. Yeah. I think I feel like people were generally respectful of of the masks and everything and and generally were you know yeah i i didn't see anybody having any problems with it which is really nice um right as i said st charles county is like it's one of the places that never had a mask mandate and was kind of anti-mask in some ways so it was good that geekway could have those things and still you know and not Right. Have it be a big issue. Yeah, that is good. Yeah, that is good. I um, Grand Rapids for Grand Con would be the same type of place too. I think where you'd see that same thing. Um, I um, yeah. I so I was gonna say that I, you're right. I, I only saw there was one dude who I saw multiple times who every time he stopped to talk to someone, he took his mask off to talk to them, which I was like, dude, literally, oh, no. <laughs> like you're just like, I mean, like it's the opposite of of what you should be doing. Um, and it didn't matter where he was. He was in a booth. He was in the hall. He was wherever he just, I was just kind of like, man, uh, like, I just want to explain to you like the science behind why this is the one time you definitely shouldn't be taking your mask off. But, uh, yeah. As a counterpoint, I saw somebody with a mask that went from uh, the top of their nose to about a foot below their chin because it covered their entire beard. (laughs) Yeah. It was, it was not practical. 
Yeah. But yeah. It, but it was it, it was eccentric yeah. and it was memorable. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, and I appreciated that. So yeah. um, good times. Uh, so then for me, so this was my I've been to a lot of different cons, obviously. Um, but, uh, this was, you know, one of the smaller ones. And, uh, I, I, I thought compared to other smaller cons, it was, it was pretty typical. It reminded me of grand con of early grand con back when I was at the hotel and there were a lot less vendors. Although I feel like grand con actually did have more vendors in general than Geekway did. Um, and then obviously grand con had a lot more vendors in 2019. Um, but so the vendor hall was a little smaller than I thought, but the, the vendors that were there were, were great. Um, so that was nice to walk around and see some different stuff. I, I really missed that being able to see, um, you know, the different booths and things and just see some, some different types of things. I, I bought some stuff from a, a guy named dragon wagon, his company's dragon wagon. That's not like his given name. Like, Hey, I'm dragon <laughs> wagon. Like your parents <laughs> did not love you. Um, <laughs> even a little bit. Uh, but but anyways, um, if my they, last uh, name was Wagon, I would. There are so many good options right. for, for for naming your children. That would yeah. be such a, a fun playground to explore. Yes, but they this, went with Dragon. This yeah. is my child, Connie, short for Conestoga. <laughs> <sighs> See, and my my kid's name would be Red, middle name Flyer, last name nice. Wagon. Yeah, um, that's good. So. That's good. Uh, but anyway, so I, I, uh, I enjoyed that part of it. It was good to see some stuff and just to see some different things. Um, that was cool. There were, a, there were a few publishers there. Um, there were some cool publishers though. There weren't a ton of them, but the ones that I did see were, were cool. Uh, Grand Gamers Guild is obviously there. One of my faves, uh, Weird Giraffe was there. Shout out to them. Uh, oh, and in an upcoming episode, uh, we actually have a, their brand new game, Gift of Tulips. Uh, uh, maybe next week I'll announce it. We're going to have a little contest uh, to give away a free copy of that game that Carla donated Ooh. to from Weird Giraffe to the show. Thank uh, you, Carla. Yeah, Carla's awesome. And then uh, also um, Smirk and Dagger were there. And so, yeah, some different companies. That was pretty cool. I think the biggest company there was probably Stronghold. Um, yes, you're right. Stronghold but, was there, yeah. So Stronghold and Indie Board and Card is oh, yep. the company yep. now. and. Indie Board and Card has a long history with Geekway. Um, the Geekway contest, like game design contest every mm, year. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, the winner is published by Indie Board and Card. And then two years later, you get that um, game as uh, like a right. as a gift when you register or when you pick up your badge. So like we right. uh, make it happen, I think was the name of the game that we all got this time. That was mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. From- Probably Has 2019 because I don't. Think anyone had a chance to open that up and play it yet? No, not have yet. not. Have not. All right, looking forward to it. That was going to be the, the next game in our game night list, but the play test of our uh, prototype happened first. So excited to try yes. that out. That was a fun surprise. I, I uh, unlike Jason, I did not register for the premium package, and so I didn't know I was getting anything at the door besides uh, a name tag, and um, it was a, a really a really cool first experience I got. I was handed one game and I was like, wow, I guess I'm bringing a game home. (laughs) And then somehow I brought home like 14 games. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Got a little carried away. That's one of the, I think one of the highlights for all of us really was uh, on Saturday, they had a a flea market, I guess you'd call it. Oh yeah. That was pretty Um, cool. You know, you could, if you want to bring games to sell, I think it's, you pay 25 bucks and then you sell whatever you want, but to go in and shop, was free, although you had to stand in line. Was, was it? 
Was it free? Because we all paid money. We yeah, all we did all, pay money we all to worked get over yes. some money. That's for sure. But it was just like a ballroom with a bunch of tables. It kind of had a more or less had a flow to it, and it was just people. <laughs> the people were respecting table with the flow. <laughs> there was just people standing at a table with a box, you know, with bunches of games with you know post-it notes on them with the price, and you could just walk around and pay for it. It was really cool. I had a hey, you could haggle, which I like haggling. You could, yeah. So you is could that? This was my first ever uh, physical um, board game conference, and so right. I, I don't know. I don't know what's like standard, par for the course. I don't know what is unique to Geekway. I, I didn't know if this was a big or a small conference. I had no nothing to level set by. So I, I guess I'm hearing that at least in all of y'all's experience, that's a pretty unique um, uh, event at, at uh, Geekway to the west the, the i thought um, so i've not seen that before yeah. where, where they just have literally like a flea market of games mm. yeah, i've not seen that either i loved that we've played the uh we picked up the uh kids edition of castle panic yeah I've got a two four and six year old and that game has been played by request uh, at least five times since we brought it home <laughs> told so you a, man yeah love it here too Thank you for the suggestion. That was just yeah. one of several games I picked up, and I'm glad to have it. Yeah, I, I walked in with a $20 bill, walked out with five games and a dollar. So nice. I'm not complaining. And a new set of dice, like metal dice. that they Those were dice were really nice. Yeah, I was yeah. bummed. I should have went back and bought those. I they, um, they, were, they weren't selling them. They, you just if you spent ten dollars at their table, they gave them to you. Right. I would have went and bought a, a ten dollar game just to get those dice. They were cool looking. Uh, I I spent thirty bucks there, um, but was I got the adult version of Castle Panic, um, or the regular version, I guess, not the adult version. Castle <laughs> Panic After Dark um, After, yeah. Dungeon I, uh, so, Edition. Yeah, I got the uh, I got that for fifteen bucks, which was I thought was a good deal, and then I got this game called Rebound, which is this old huge game that's kind of like shuffleboard uh except for there's like a you you slide the pucks down then they bounce around a corner and then it's basically shuffleboard um and i got that they had 20 on and i haggled them down to 15 which i felt good about not because i was trying to like like haha i beat you with like i'm haggling i was just like hey you know like let's see if i can get a good deal on this and i did and uh and i thought well this is huge this guy definitely does not want to come home with this i could probably offer him five and he'd be like just take it so um, <laughs> but, <laughs> um but no michael that was my my next question actually before we started about the flea market was going to be so what uh this being your first con not even your first geek way just your first mm-hmm. con in general like how did you how, how did you feel about it yeah um i, I had a good time uh uh, t- two things that I, I learned that I would pass on to uh, anyone going to the first con. Uh, first off, don't travel alone because I had so much fun knowing the three of you there or, or knowing Jason, having uh, met Kelly at least once over a video call, I think, and having friends to sit down and play with um, to not feel completely lost and stranded. Uh, it, it really made the experience way more fun, uh, way more comfortable. I, I think that... Um, I know I had a much better time because I went with people and I saw a lot of other people doing that too. You could go with a group that gives you someone to automatically play test or just play games with. So that seems like really good advice. Uh, the other advice I would give is travel alone because I was there by myself from Thursday night till like Friday around 10 o'clock or so. And during that time, I, uh, I met a lot of strangers and I, I talked to people that I would never have talked to otherwise 
I, uh, I got the courage to uh, kind of cold introduce myself to a few different publishers, and that panned out uh, into some good conversations later and uh, stretched me in ways that I wasn't super comfortable. And so if you just follow both of those rules at the same time, I think <laughs> you will, uh, you'll do well at your, at your conventions and probably just in life in general. Um, yeah, it was, it was good. And, uh, and I mean, both of those things, uh, both of those experiences were nice. It was nice to get to do both. Um, there were a lot of fun parts. I was kind of curious to hear what everyone's favorite moments from the convention were. We can maybe bounce some of those off. So we liked the, the, uh, the flea market for sure. Uh, another one of my favorite moments was, uh, after playtesting a couple games with the uh, three of you, Kelly approached us while we were at a food truck and said, I had this idea for a game. Maybe I'm misremembering <laughs> it, but like it was like in his sleep or in the shower or maybe just in line. And he was like, <laughs> I mean, it, it sounds was so in line at the flea market. Yeah. 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 I, I had like, this idea market. for a game. And, and then he's like, can we, do you want to play it? And I, and we did, <laughs> we play tested this thing that he went home and like uh, very quickly, oh. I think the night before, created prototypes for before we did that we just got a deck of cards and we sat down and we play tested this brand new idea and i've said this many times but i love playing games right at their genesis and when they're so flexible and so full of potential um or or maybe suck you know some games don't, don't <laughs> go anywhere but i love that moment and to get to to play a game you know literally moments after it came into a designer's uh brain and get to brainstorm with you kelly was uh one of my favorite moments of the con yeah for and sure. there was definitely Thank you. for being like a right off the top of your head idea it had solid solid bones to it so it was oh, yeah it was enjoyable you. to play um what Thank else Trying to think. What other moments did you? Yeah. What, so, what Michael, you, you missed out on dinner Saturday night, but oh, I heard the calzones were good. Yeah, yeah, sauce on the side is good. Um, yeah, I would if I have uh, if I go back to Geekway again, which I think I would for sure, especially if y'all were going to be there. I would go to sauce on the side and get myself another macaroni and cheese calzone because that yeah, was yeah. amazing. I had the magic carpet, which is the the uh, mushroom based one, which is really with like mushroom and garlic. Um, and if, that was that was really fun to just hang out like i yeah. hadn't got to talk to kelly and nate like just hanging out and forever and we we literally sat there for like two hours at dinner just chatting <laughs> yeah and we like we weren't just chatting we got into deep philosophical conversations about free will <laughs> and all sorts of things <laughs> and while that's not completely game related in any way it was like, that's the kind of thing you get at in-person cons that you don't right, get right. at a virtual con. So that that's one of the things yeah. that was exciting to me was just being able to see people in person for those side cons. Well, and Michael, I've never met you. And we had some nice little conversations while we were standing in line in between games yeah. and stuff. And I really appreciated that. So me too. as much as I understand why we've had virtual cons the last couple of years, and we probably still will in the future, I'm just really, I, I loved being in a place with people just because of the spontaneous things that can happen. Yeah. I'll be yeah. the first to say, I, I intend to do both now. I'm not dipping out of virtual stuff because it it's, mm -hmm. it's proved itself important and useful, yeah. but I, I want to, I, I will make time to do this again as well yeah. for sure. Yeah. I think for me, probably the, wasn't necessarily a favorite moment, but getting to play test in person again and getting people to yeah. play test. Cause like, 
there is it's you can get useful information playing online and playtesting online is definitely worth it but getting to see people's body language getting to see the that look on their face when they figure out like a really clever clue on something or figure out that thing there's there's just nothing replacing it and also getting like um getting uh maggie and carol to play test games since they approach mm-hmm. them from a very different mindset than any of us do uh both of them work for exploding kittens yeah, um, and carol broke like, our game within 45 seconds of sitting yeah. there <laughs> turn one turn one she broke Thank it I, enough to require us to change something to fix it which yeah was awesome like yeah if somebody's gonna break it into play test nothing better than the first you know minute yeah you know so yeah so yeah just that really felt like a big spark of uh creativity like a big boost like as soon as like leaving after the first day of all the play testing and all that and getting to dig into everyone else's games getting feedback on the ones we've been working on just went home and had several other ideas that i started working on so like it was really great just being like you were saying, being in that moment, just being in the uh, situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it felt so good to put cards on a table, and mm-hmm. uh, and with and with yeah. games that I have I have tested almost exclusively virtually. Mm-hmm. I've gotten very good at testing virtually, and but there are, there are parts of that that you you can't test until you see the cards in front of you, or you see the components in front of you, or you stack the thing on the other thing, mm-hmm. uh, and that was a lot of fun. I, I enjoyed that. Yeah, games are text tactile and physical. You know, the virtual is is great, but there's just something about feeling the cards in your hand and seeing the board in front of you and all yeah. those things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, that's definitely why I like board games or one of the reasons I like board games. So it was, yeah, nice to be able to get out stuff on the table and feel it in your hands. Yep. <clears throat> yeah, no, I... I absolutely loved that. I think my favorite thing was also the being able to play test and try different games though. I really, really enjoyed at the end when we played quacks of Quidlinburg, just because we got to play like uh, yeah. it was the first time I'd played an imprint game with a group of people that weren't just my wife or every once in a while, my mom, if she was visiting like, mm-hmm. or my kids, like that was something special. And also um, well, I know that everybody enjoyed the game. I know Kelly, you there were things about the game you didn't like. Um, well, I also yeah. had a really bad run, so I was probably just exhausted because we played yes. it at like 10 p.m. on Saturday. So it was it's fair. Wiped. We were tired. And, yeah, I was um, cranky. But, but, uh, it was post calzone. Yeah, I, <laughs> does make you sleep. And we had had intense conversations at dinner, as Nate said. So, but it was cool to see because I think Michael, you'd never played that before, right? No, and yeah, uh, and, yeah, it was um, so fun. Yeah, and both of you were like, "Oh my gosh, this game. is great!" And so, that's just I love the stuff that Wolfgang Warsh has done. And my favorites are our taverns of Teeth and Tall, and um, you know, and in Quacks. So, getting to share that with people and having people respond positively is just like wow. Like, I get to share this game that I talk about all the time. Um, I would still, suggest that all I'm of you play Taverns of Teeth and Tall if you haven't, because it's. Yeah. It is, it's better. Uh, I love it so much. It's so good. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. for someone I, that hasn't been to Geekway, uh, sorry, sorry, Nate. Um, that's okay. Uh, don't forget, you jump in with yours in a second. I, I didn't know this about Geekway until uh, a few days before going, but they have a massive library where you can just go grab a game. So, uh, Jason, mm-hmm. I don't think you brought that with you. Uh, 
There's nope. just games to to rent. And in yep. fact, if you rent a game, you enter a chance to win it. And again, I don't know if this is all cons or if this is unique to Geekway, but realizing that like I will go again and I will have a plan of three games that I want to play, but then I'm too, too, too cheap to buy and I will yeah. absolutely play them because I have dozens of games that I have written down from suggestions of friends that I want to play, but I don't own. And someone else I know doesn't right. own. And so mm-hmm. what a cool chance to go play games that uh, yeah. look awesome. Uh, and I was super excited to learn that I felt good about not playing too many because we were doing so much playtesting stuff, which right. is so fun. But I'm glad we played one and I would definitely do that again. Yeah. And it's, it's a mixed bag, right? Cause you never know. I'll still remember the absolute worst game I ever played at a con. Um, and Nate, you were there for it. Uh, I don't remember if you were playing the game or not because I've the, literally blocked out the most of the game. Um, it was, it was impulse. Um, the game is called impulse in, uh, uh, Lanier Wexford was teaching us how to play it. It was like 2 AM. Uh, he started this game and I don't, I, I literally have no idea how to play this game. What I know is that you have a rocket and you want your rocket to be standing up. And if your rocket falls over, that's bad. And I don't mean like I bumped it and fell over. Like there's a mechanic for where it falls over. Um, and my rocket and the first three turns fell over every single turn. And I was like, I, I was, I was way grumpier than you were Kelly playing quacks. I was like, I, I quit. Like, I can't, this, this is awful. This <laughs> game is awful. And you know what? The game could be good. Like I've heard other people say that they love it. Um, uh, but I mean, I was just so tired and so out of it. And then I went back to my room, fell asleep. Uh, didn't hear Nate knock and Nate had to sleep in his car. So right. <laughs> true story true story oh, <laughs> very true story so that's why i knew you were there nate because i knew it was the night that you ended up sleeping in your car because i was like i gotta go back to my room i can't deal with this game anymore yeah. and then i fell asleep jason was like hey i got an extra bed in my room and then just didn't let me have it <laughs> <laughs> i should have just given you a key yeah but, well uh, yeah i only have not one. that those are trustworthy i mean we had the worst <laughs> luck with our room keys we were staying at a a hotel that i don't know if i should leave unnamed or just publicly slander but every (laughs) night every night uh, jason and i uh shared a hotel room and we would we would show up and the hotel key that worked that morning was dead and we have to go downstairs and get a new one and by the third time you you would have thought that we would have known to just get a new key yeah now we it's funny because I did. My thought was I thought when we walked in about just lying and saying, hey, my key didn't work. Uh, <laughs> and then we went all the way to the hotel room on the, sixth, to the floor sixth floor at the end of the hall and it didn't work. And I thought I should have just said that. And so gotta, I, as I mentioned before, my uh, my mom was, had traveled down with me to see her sister and they were staying at the same hotel. And I asked her afterwards and it happened to them every single night as well. So that's <laughs> yeah, um, wild. Yeah, huh. yeah. So, oh, oh back to Quacks. Uh, or, well, I was going to say I have played Taverns. I played it at Geekway Mini in January, um, and I enjoyed it. Quacks is definitely a different kind of game than that. It's it's very much push your luck, where the push your luck part of Taverns isn't that there really well, is. I mean, it's exactly like the drawing until you have too many patrons or yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah but, but there's yeah, no penalty. It's just that's when your turn is over. Right, it's right. a pick builder, yeah. you said. Um, but man, Kelly did get hosed. You had some yeah. bad, bad draws you did. there. You did, and I, I won by one point. 
And uh, it was really just because I had a couple of really good draws. I don't think I particularly okay. played the game better. <laughs> I, I think all of you need to be better at grabbing things out of bags. I think it's a oh, definitely Kelly valuable yeah. in life. Well, there are like and 20 to tokens in-, in Kelly's bag and four that are bad. And he draws the same four nearly in a row at the beginning every time. Yeah. Yeah. It to, was- put, to put the point spread in context, Nate, one by one point, I lost by 40. Yeah, it was me, and then I think Michael and Jason, you were, like, tied. Yeah, we were very close, yeah. <laughs> Kelly was, like, half my score. Yeah. We, we've all had a game like that where you just yeah. you wonder if you need a new hobby or not. <laughs> Why am I so bad at this game? I joke, I play, um, my wife and I really enjoy the game Summer Camp. Um, and mm-hmm. also, which is, oh, that's a Phil Walker-Harding game, who's also a designer that I love their work. Um and uh, that game, I don't know what what's wrong with me, but that's also a deck builder. But every time we play that game, she beats me, which she's good at the game. I'm not good at the game, apparently. But what I find incredibly frustrating is that every time we play, my score gets worse. She literally beats me by more. And that's going in both directions. Like my score gets worse and her score gets better. Um, and so I'm getting like so frustrated playing this game. So I'm like, what am I doing? Why am I so bad at this game? Like, I don't, I'm like, I'm not a person who's in general bad at games. Like, but something about that game, I am just awful at Find an hour being... playing it. So she's what was that? your score? She's just draining the life from your score. She is. Yeah. I said, find an app. Let's see. <laughs> Whenever I'm bad at a game. Look, I wonder I'm... if there's an app for that, because that game would be super fun to play on an app. I, Whenever I'm I've, bad at a game, I buy the app, play it till I'm good, <laughs> and then I'll I've play done that. <laughs> I've done that, and I know that, that ended up ruining the games for me. Or maybe not. Maybe I got all of the game out of that game that there was to be got. Right. But, <laughs> but I've gone that road, and one of two things happen. I either realize I cannot beat the game or I get so good at it that I, it's no longer a game I can play with my circle of friends because I've played this game 30 times and they've played it twice. Right. And so it, it distances me from, from right. the, it, like, that's not fair, right? You don't want to play with uh, someone that's played something 10 times more than you in anything. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's like, yeah, it's like a beginner chess player against a grandmaster or whatever. It's never going to be a fun game. Yeah. Well, but it'll be a short game. Yeah, so that's for sure. Super short. Like I move checkmate. It's like what happened? So Michael, I'll tell you that um, most cons have a game library. Okay. Mm-hmm. But like Gen Cons sucks. Not because of its quantity, but you actually have to pay to get into the game library. Oh. Everything about Gen Con is designed to charge you money. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the good that, news is, though, Gen Grand Con, Con has a great holiday. one that's free. Grand, What'd you Gen say, Con, Kelly? Grand Con has a game library that's free to use. Yeah. Grand, so Con, Grand has Con with all this. It, one Grand of the Con biggest, is yeah, very it, impressive. Yeah. It's I, bigger I than Geekways. And they always have, have a ton of play to win stuff. Yeah. That's, yeah. Not every game was play to win, but yeah, you have those ones that if you play them, you're entered to win, and then uh, you can. Right. I have yet I to win a game to play to win, but I won I'll one, but it was when I was already halfway back to St. Louis. So right. <laughs> I won one one time and then never played it because it just wasn't a game that I found interesting. I played it. And I was like, oh, that's all right. And then I won it. And I was like, oh, OK. At Geekway oh. Mini, they had um, like a iPad set up. And so when you returned a game, you could, you know, you'd sign the game and ask you if you'd want if you wanted to rate it and then it would ask you if you wanted to be entered to win it. 
Nice. You could actually even put in the other people's badge numbers so that they got entered since you can only check a game out under one person. Right, right. And everybody else. So like it was nice because then there were some games that I played and I was like, no, I don't I don't want to win this. I don't want this. Right. Game. That's um, a really good system. I like that. Because yeah, you what's might play the it, MSRP. Like, right. Yeah, I can you can resell it. What's the resale value? I'll tell you what the resale value of board games are. Not very good. Yeah. So. Most of them. Unless you As have evidence- all you have to have all the Kickstarter starter specials yes, yes. and exclusives, and then somebody will buy it for way too yeah, much. Yes. If it's got a lot of minis and you have all the expansions and exclusives, it's worth a lot. And the so, wooden meeple upgrade. Yes. My hope is that someday, you know, if I don't want to play Marvel United, I can sell all 27 boxes or whatever that I have of it. So I'll uh, give you a dollar a box. No. See <laughs> how much I paid for those boxes? <laughs> I'm probably in it for like 800 bucks. <laughs> Literally. It was over two campaigns. I want to be clear. It wasn't yeah. just one. Yeah. Not that that makes much of a difference. No, but I've seen some people painting those minis. Oh yeah. my gosh, they're so good. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to do that. Yeah. I'm just going to have the this, the blue and the red because that's all I got. Yeah. So, um, so, yeah, let's talk a little bit about uh, playtesting there and, uh, and how that went. So... So for playtesting, I'll run down the games and then uh, we can talk about them all. Um, so I, um, Kelly and I, we had Minecart Madness there. And then we had Perfectly Parceled. Perfectly Parceled is the game that Kelly and I did with Neil Roberts. Um, and then Kelly had Circuitous, which we played uh, one time, I think. Yeah, we played it once. Um, you had your birds game. Um, flock you or flock off or... What the flock. What the flock. What the yeah. flock. Flockity flock flock. Um mother flockers um so anyways (laughs) you're gonna have to cut your own content (laughs) i'm saying flock there's nothing wrong with that just calm the flock down michael (laughs) (laughs) um but anyways uh and then um michael had the clearing and uh i think that was all the stuff we had then we play test so we play tested some games uh for carol um there were early stage prototypes that was fun uh i don't know that we can really comment on any of those um but yeah, they probably. were they were little party games um yeah. that were quick playing fun um early stage simple but I, I had a great time playing them we also uh play tested before the light dies a couple times oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. this is a game that you've probably heard of and I uh, worked on that a little bit and I and I did some of Crowded Kitchen as well. Um, mostly oh, before, right. yes. before you guys got there. Actually, uh, right. there was a uh, there was a uh, what was it called? Like a playtesting session. I can't remember the name for it. Oh, on Thursday night. The um, prototype. Proto- yeah, prototype row. Where Proto I, party. Uh, where I I playtested with uh, a lot of other people playing their games, and then I had a few people do a quick ten minute run of Crowded Kitchen to get their feedback as well. I think and I did yeah, play Crowded Kitchen everything. though. You um you played yeah. it with Carol, and I got to play it and. Uh, Carol is incredibly aggressive when playing that game. Like you, you know, you're, you're like reaching for cards that other people are. And if you, you know, there are like two types of people in the world, like when it comes to grabbing cards in a, in a speed game. And that is the type that if you grab the card at the same time as the other one, you just let go because you're like, no, I'm not going to argue. Mm-hmm. And then, and then, then there the are winners. Says, yeah. Yeah. Right. And then there's the type that says, no, I'm going to keep it. And I'm that type. And so is Carol, but she wanted it more than me for sure. Because every time we did it like two or three times, 
uh, we'd both hit the same card and she'd go, nope, and just take it. <laughs> Like, yep. I was like, you know what? I'm not going to argue with her. Like, it's yours. You just take that card. There you aren't many the, game the... mechanics where your desire to win plays into your probability of winning. <laughs> yeah, and I love yeah. that aspect of speed games. Like, you can just, you can literally want it more than the other person. And you can make eye contact. And you can yes. let them know that you will escalate this to yes. the highest level. If I'm, they don't I'm let going go of that to card. win. There is a subset of those people who, as soon as you say speed game, start putting on the extra sharp rings, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you want to play ERS? Okay, let me just go get my championship ring real quick and point it, you know, right. point side down. <laughs> we'll see who slaps last. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, so I actually got two play tests in. Kelly was kind enough to play a couple of rounds of football dice with me. Which oh, is a awesome. Game that for longtime listeners, if you brush off the cobwebs of the early episodes i actually won a contest with on btg with that it was as you do you two Uh, non-sportsy guys had a contest to see if uh, to design a game that you could take out in a sports pub or sports bar and play about sports and it's it's a game i designed back then and i kind of set it aside and then more recently decided to give it a try um because I thought I could fit it in a mint tin, which I think I can, actually. Yeah, mint tins are um, hot. Yeah, mint tin, it literally plays, you know, the, the field is just a fourfold mint tin rule, box, rule card, you know, and it's a very quick game. So I was like, I should give this a try. This is the kind of thing that can, you know, go, could go somewhere. Uh, so Kelly played it and then admitted that he got about as far as he could, not really knowing much about football. So <laughs> Air feedback. And then the four of us play, or the three of us, I, I don't know where you were, Michael. I think you were on a phone call or something. Uh, we played a bit of Minotaur's Maze and you guys. Oh my gosh. Yeah, we did play that. You that helped was a good time. The second part of the game, which is the part that I'm having trouble with. So yeah, oh, that, yeah. I got two good was... play tests in. I'm happy. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I, I was awful one. at that game. Yeah, I was super awful at that game, mostly because you and Kelly were cheating. Um, but no, and by Kelly cheating, I mean trying... following the broken rules of the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a prototype. No, it's, <laughs> it was actually it's not perfect. You know, honestly, the the biggest problem with the game was that uh, when you explained it, I understood it backwards and thought I was making a dungeon for myself, not for other people. So I was trying to make it worth a lot of points. Uh, and I succeeded at that. Yeah. <laughs> and then I had to give it to Kelly or you. And then I got Kelly's, which he had made for the worst amount of points and to be nearly impossible. And I died. And yeah. Uh, yeah. So, but that, that, that was a, that is a promising game that I think has some real potential. It was uh, it's a cool idea. Thanks. I, yeah. I, I got good suggestions on the part I know need to be, needs to be worked on. So that was the important thing for me. Michael, I, I have to say, or I guess Jason and Michael, uh, after uh, playing before before the, the light, light dies, is that what dies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I explained it to Jamie, my spouse, and I kind of did the best I could to explain how the game worked. And she actually thought it sounded really, really interesting. Like so, And I quite enjoyed it. Kelly and I played twice, right? I played mm-hmm. once yep. as the survivor and once as the, you know, we switched roles. Um, yeah, that was a really fun game. I think like most of the feedback was more like how to convey the information better rather than like yeah. fixing the actual information. 
And you two, I, I know, especially during Kelly's round as the as the stranded person, Kelly did a great job of just like like overdoing it with the cards and making us be like, okay, you have too many cards. And I know that I think you ended up screwing yourself over because you gave such a huge convoluted message. Nate was like, no, I, what is happening? I no, screwed myself over because I couldn't count to five. Oh, well, that'll do it <laughs> that's too. Not, that's not the first time that's happened in this playtest or playtesting <laughs> this game. Uh, thank you. There's Nate. a reason that's... why we trace around. We have it set up so that you trace the map now instead of just like drawing it because. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, thank you Kelly for that. Told me there that are four feedback, Nate. And that did not exist. <laughs> we really feel like we have something special with this game. And uh, and the challenge, uh, which has been very different than other games I've early like designed at early stages, has been just how do you convey these ideas? Because a lot of what we're asking uh, playtesters to do is different than what they've done mm -hmm. in other games. Um, yeah. Not completely unfamiliar, but it's, it's grabbing aspects of... Uh, a lot of different games and bringing them together in, in new ways. But And it's also hard because I, I don't know about you, but like I tend to like to really explain to people like, Hey, here's um, you know, here's what's going on like with this game and, and you can use these cards in this way. And we like, don't do that. We're like, also there's yeah. these communication cards. Your job is to have them find you and not die. It's it's super open. It's super open ended, almost in a uh, almost in like a storytelling kind of game way. Yeah. yeah. But it's it's as much of that as you want it to be. But you're right. Like I, I, I tend to in my teach, like give here's a here's a successful strategy that you could explore or you could mm -hmm. find your own way. Not so in this game. It's like, right. here's what you need to do to survive. Here's what you're trying to do to help. Right. A lot of um, a lot of it was. It out. Like you're right there. It was open-ended in that you could, you had these cards and you guys didn't tell us how to use them. It was all you really, most of the rules were about what you couldn't do. Like there was right. a handful of things that mm -hmm. were like, don't do this. You know, you can't do this until this, like, you know, and, but there was sort of left that open space for, well, I didn't tell you couldn't do it. So. Right. Which was, we, the problem is if we explain to you the ways you can communicate, then we will automatically have tainted the ways that you will communicate. Mm -hmm. um, and we really needed to, um, like, we we are so ingrained in the way we've been communicating with each other uh, while playtesting this game, just the two of us, that it was really important for us to not give people um, any, sort of any sort of ideas around what to do. Um, yeah, and that, it, I'm glad we didn't because had we, had we have said you can't communicate your location on the map in this certain way, Carol wouldn't have broken the game. If we had said you can only send so many cards, Kelly would have sent less cards. And instead with Kelly sending so many cards, we were inspired to cut a large number of cards to make it so that you had to, you know, be a little more precise and things like that. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, the feedback and, and the playtesting was fantastic. And I, I super appreciate that both of you were willing to do it twice um, once in each role. That was very helpful. Okay, so it, was, it was entirely a chore and not not fun at all. It was. <laughs> <laughs> you just you didn't mind playing it because you didn't lose by forty points. Right. <laughs> he did die though, right? No, uh, no I, I think died. Nate Nate died. Oh, Nate was, died. Thank you, wow. Nate. We needed someone to die to tell us that we had gotten the difficulty close to balanced. So right, thank right. you for being yeah. That sacrifice. The funny thing game. is, usually in games like that, uh, like where there's 
one person has information and either needs to communicate it to other people or keep it hidden from other people. I like to be the person who has the knowledge. Like me too. Me too. When we play like a Scotland yard, I want to be Mr. X, you know, I, I want to be the person with the knowledge that everyone else has to either figure out or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think I actually liked the rescuer role better in that game. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know what it was exactly. Maybe it's just because I played that one second, so I had a better understanding in the game. I usually, in our test, I play the Rescuer a lot, and it's it's a lot of fun. It feels, it's a little bit of that battleship feeling where you're like, I'm narrowing down on the position. It's a little bit Mm -hmm. of that, you know, again, citing traditional games. It's a little bit of clue where you're getting pieces of the puzzle and you're triangulating on the whodunit. It's a little bit of guess who where you're trying to think of the right questions to ask and narrow the field down. But the whole game is collaborative, and all those games are competitive. So you're working with someone to try and help them past their barrier of only being able to talk to you with uh, cards, which I don't know if we've actually explained the conceit for this game or not, uh, and <laughs> whether the listeners are completely I'm pretty lost. Yeah, we, you, when you were on, we talked about it, didn't we? I felt like. I don't think it existed huh. when we Maybe talked. Maybe not. I yeah. think you pitched the clearing. I don't think. Yeah. Oh, you're right. You did. So yeah. The so- 30... Basically, the part of the game that we're talking about is uh, the person who is stranded in this game and their friend is trying to find them. They can only communicate uh, basically what's similar to like a game of charades, but you are using cards with a single icon on each card and you're laying those cards out in a way to communicate a message. And it's very open ended um, on purpose to see if you can communicate something. And every play tester that we haven't prompted has communicated in a different way, uh, which is part of what we like about the game, but also part of what's so troubling about it. It's hard to, it's hard to balance it, right? When you don't know. Um, and being uh-huh. that it's a co-op game, you know, we, we want that, you know, you lose. You It's not easy, right? You, you will lose a good amount of the time, right? Especially right. until you get super, uh, super good at it. Yeah. Um, yeah, but in this so. game, unlike a lot of other board and card games, getting good at it is less about learning how to micromanage the systems, although those are there. It's less about engine building, although that's there. Getting good at this game, uh, more than anything else, means getting better at communicating in whatever mm-hmm. way you feel is best to communicate with your um, with your partner, with the other player, with the person on their side of the board. Mm-hmm. So it's... it's yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because yeah, the the person who's stranded, you know, they have a, a picture of a five by five grid out of a total of a what was it, thirteen by thirteen grid. Yeah. So, just a small picture of where they are. Um, but it's it's the person who's stranded is really doing an efficiency puzzle, right? You know, how, I've only got yes. limited resources. Uh, yeah, I get a little bit of engine building to help you there, and you're, each round you get fewer and fewer resources, while the the per, the rescuer is trying to do basically a deduction puzzle, mm-hmm. but the thing is, each relies on the other, right? Right. Because the rescuer is sending sending along tools to help the stranded person, and the stranded person, of course, is trying to send along clues of where they are, and so it's like it's it, it almost like the description sounds like two solitaire games, but it's totally not because the very linked, yeah, and the communication. Yep is essential to making either gate either side of the game work is right. yeah it's a really interesting feel to it i yeah. also want to plug perfectly parceled i got to play test that for the first time and i really enjoyed that game 
Thanks. Um, you said that was you and Kelly, and who was the other person? That uh, Neil for? Roberts. Yeah. Neil. Yep. That was it. Was a lot of fun to play. Um, and a game that I think is best played in person, like like some of the other games we've tested. Yeah, and that one being really cool. the 3D game, that's and, yeah. you, and we actually it was great. Um, when you tested it for us, uh, we we had a new idea uh, that we were testing, and then Kelly came up with uh, uh, with a little addition to that, uh, where when you score, we score these things. You can score them twice. It used to be they were end game scoring. We made them not end game scoring based on some feedback we got. And uh, and I'll tell you what, like that made all the difference uh, yeah, with Kelly's tweak about you can score them twice. Um, so yeah, so and we've got a publisher we're gonna send that out to, uh, and I'm excited about that. Most most misleading name of any game I've ever played. I know, I know. We need a better name, but <laughs> but really fun. Taking suggestions. Yes. Have you considered reskinning it to be a fantasy theme? <laughs> <laughs> Have you considered just not talking anymore? <laughs> nope, never considered that. <laughs> um. And then uh, we also did some testing on Minecart Madness, um, and uh, yeah, we we learned a lot on that, didn't we, Kelly? We we had made some big changes, yeah. But we, uh, I'm I don't know about you, but I'm really excited about the new direction and the simplification of that game. Oh yeah, and Michael, yeah, don't eat cookies unless you brought enough for everybody. <laughs> what? Michael's eating cookies, and Nate's oh, calling him out. <laughs> I'm petting a cat. Yeah. It's just jealous. The cat just noticed his butt a couple of times. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, My car madness with us looked great. Got some great uh, feedback from that. And then you and I met shortly after went back up to Mm -hmm. uh, that uh, hammer out and make sure we didn't lose any of that momentum with that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so that game, I can't wait for the next iteration of that game. It's going to be a little simpler easier to play we've cut out some confusing bits um Mm. trying to really get that down to being like an easy quick to learn quick to play you know that really really encapsulates the encapsulates the idea of minecart madness you know so yeah Yeah. and you've had that game for i want to say seven years probably something like that yeah yes it started from that uh grand con when grand con was in the hotel Yep, and it was, was a called... game crafter contest where they gave you a a box like a mm-hmm. small box with random pro, pro components in it, and you had twenty four hours to design a game. Mm-hmm. And Minecart Madness came out of that, and the one that I have now called On Holiday originally started out um, as a bartending game from that <laughs> way back in the day. So it was that was a good contest. It was. It was a very good contest. Yeah. It's fun to hear as a, a designer only for the last like two and a half years or so that there are games that like are still growing with you and still learning and, and still play testing to have that kind of longevity is is encouraging. Yeah. And that I really have to credit that to Kelly because I had done that game and I had put it aside for several years until a pitch opportunity came up and I said, hey, what about this game? Could we do something with this? And and Kelly figured out we could do this thing with these tiles and, and, you know, it kept the spirit of the game, but made it way better. Um, and, and really I, it was excited to, I was excited to see that game working again. Um, and finally having solved the original problems with it, obviously we've created more problems, but, and we're slowly working to solve <laughs> As those. one does. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, 
but you know, before it was dead in the water and now it's incredibly promising and I feel super good about it. So, yeah. 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 I mean, I, I think it just serves as a, a reinforcement for the advice that we've heard a lot of times in 522 episodes, which is don't be afraid to set a game aside, even if it's for years yeah. and mm-hmm. don't be, too uh, sacred about anything in your game because yeah, yeah. You know, it, that ability to evolve is what's kept that you know core idea the same over the years. Yeah. You know? I told Kelly when we started, the only thing I was precious about in this case was the name. I really liked the name Minecart Madness <laughs> and I wanted to yeah. see it be called that. Mm-hmm. And I knew that that kind of in, in, inspired some parts of the design, right? Yeah. Um, obviously. It's going to be about... Yeah, something that was Kelly's like, well, now it's about flying unicorns, but we can keep the name, Jason. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. that, that would be cool. on brand with perfectly parceled, actually. So. <laughs> You're a jerk. <laughs> yeah. Listen, I come up with good names. OK, before the light dies. Very good name. That I is. like that name a lot. I actually <laughs> think that name conveys a lot about it because it's it's ambiguous, but thematic. And it feels like the game feels uh, if that makes sense. I don't know why, but I do like that name the, a lot. The, yeah, the game, the name hits the the thematic weight of the game, if that makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. it's not like yeah. fluffy glitter unicorns. Not that that's a bad name, but you get it. The name yeah. tells you yeah. a little something about what to expect from the game. And so mm-hmm. I think that Before the Light Dies really kind of just hits into the, the right theme box there i don't know and how see, I, I i liked it too especially like when thinking about it when i was being the the stranded person being rescued because i was looking at my health because there was a broken combination of cards with the forging that mm-hmm. happened mm-hmm. and so i was fine on health and food and i was looking at the timeline counting down for like because your limit on your actions is hours in the day mm-hmm. and i was like well crap when that hits zero it's not that yeah. I, I die immediately. It's that there's no hope of finding me. So now I'm just doomed to a slow death in the dark. <laughs> yep. Amazing. There's, there's some pressure to it. Playtesting it last night, my wife didn't communicate for the first three turns. Oh, and you told me that. I was like, oh, I was, I'd have been so stressed. I was yeah. so stressed out because I was like, I don't want you to die. Like I started unconsciously right. role playing it a little bit. Um, as the as the seeker, I was like, you know, sending out my communications. I was like, hey, I don't know where you are. I don't know if you're okay. I don't know what you need. I need you to help me find you. I need you to send me something, anything. Give me a clue. And then she sent me this incredible message that explained her entire position because she had just been gathering data and using her time super efficiently, and she was cool. But I was a little bit stressed. So yeah, I, I like I like. She like does she like not understand what's happening here? Like. You should have queued up Lost in the Woods from Frozen 2 and just played it for her. <laughs> I'm lost in the woods. <laughs> we don't have the license for that, but there's no way I'm cutting that. That's okay. It was it was short enough. It's short enough. They can't get yeah. you for it. Right. The same. Um, Kelly, we also got to play Circuitous, uh, which was cool. I haven't played that in forever. That's another game that's been around for quite a while. Yeah. We went through a lot of iterations. Is that the yeah. card laying uh, four crystals game? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Was that the the path building set creation thing? Yeah, that was cool. I haven't played anything yeah. quite like that, and I like the I like the art on it a lot. I think that fits the theme you're going for a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Thank you. It was my turn I- to try and find a broken combination, which is always fun as a play tester. 
Yeah. It was that one's been around for a long time. It's gone through some iterations, got some good feedback. It was actually the first time I had busted it out in a while. Uh, um, well, no, because we played it once for the first time in years when we did the uh, game design weekend with Neil. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I, that's yeah. a game where I know that it's a good game because I'm awful at it and I lose all the time when we play it. But I still have a good time every time I play it. So that's, I'm like, it's yeah. a good game. That's a great marker of a good it game. It is, right? Yeah. Kelly, actually, earlier this year when I was moving stuff around because we're doing these house projects, I actually found an early prototype of circuitous, like still black lines oh, and white cards. Wow. And circuits. Cool. I was like, hang on to that. It's going to be worth, that's going to be worth dollars later. Yeah. I was trying to convince him to use like metal paints on the cards so they had to actually create a real circuit. <laughs> that sounds like feedback you and, would give. And then it's like, course, how do I make this game work better? You're like, you know what this needs? Electricity. Yeah. Well, have you, have you played? Uh, have you played Forbidden Sky? The Does it do that? Yeah, the third oh, one of the Forbidden Island, Forbidden Desert. Yeah, you actually cool. create a real circuit. Now that would cards, actually be but... so cool with cards because you only score like the circuit between the central point and the gem mm -hmm. at the end. And so if you moved the gem, then if if the circuit lit up along the way like like LEDs, the new yeah. scoring path would be illuminated down the card line. That'd because be you could have sweet. the power source in the gym. Easiest the game to score ever. The idea is I, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> give it another go. Don't encourage Nate, Michael, please. <laughs> that's that's the one rule of this podcast. Don't <laughs> encourage Nate. He's gonna start I like this idea. again. So the uh so the last game to chat about uh that we played, uh and I saved this for last, uh, because it's awful. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, because I, it was it was the prototype I've enjoyed playing more than any other prototype in a very very long time, uh, and that was the clearing, Michael, that you've been working oh, yeah. on. Um, that was amazing. It's such a freaking good game. Um, yeah. Like I, yeah, I, I remember I came home and told my wife about how good that game was, and I was like, I wish that we could just get it now, because um, you would love it. It's super fun. Um, so so yeah but tell, tell us about how playtesting went for that after we made it sound like your game is amazing no i don't think nate got to play that one did you i did not unfortunately oh. well thank you uh that's that's really kind of you um it went playtesting it went well i i i got to put it in front of of designers again i got to put it in front of um friends of mine like uh so having you play it jason was really cool because i've been uh, talking to you that, about that game, I've pitched you on the show before, but you've never you've never got a chance to play mm -hmm. it, so that was really special. Um, I got to have um, I got to have uh, uh, oh no, I'm going to get his name wrong. Is it John or Joe? Help me out, Joe, right? Joe, um, Joe, the, Hopkins. Yep. the designer of Endangered, uh, which is a game that I've played and I thought was really cool. I got sat down and played that game and gave me his feedback as a designer, which was. Uh, really mm -hmm. encouraging um and um i also got uh so many new new so many new names is it carla with carla yeah carla cop from um weird giraffe yeah from that's weird a giraffe. that's a good pull man getting joe and carla to play a game on well, your first con that's <laughs> it it i i am very fortunate and they were both really kind to give me that time but i don't mean those as 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 brags i just getting people like that to look at it and give me their feedback and also to say first and foremost that they thought it was a good game that's that's a lot of encouragement i've designed mm -hmm. games 
pretty much in a vacuum, um, physically in yeah. a vacuum for sure, since I've started. I've <laughs> never gone out and showed these games to other designers, just to friends and family and then some people virtually. So uh, I, I didn't need affirmation to keep going, but that was really helpful and it gave me a lot of ideas. Kelly, I am trying out uh, the suggestion that you had after Joe played the game about focusing some of the food chain scoring um, and linking it to ecosystems. I don't know how that will work, uh, but um, but it was a lot of fun to play test. Uh, it gave me the, uh, the confirmation I've been looking for for close to a year, which is I think the game is pitch ready, and I think it is at a place mm-hmm. where I could develop it with a publisher and, uh, and gave me certainty that that is what I want to do with it. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. I, we, there's, you've already covered, uh, things like, um, imposter syndrome and stuff on the show, but there were so many deck builders. And with that being such a buzzword and me not realizing that trying to make that as my first game, I've had a lot of uncertainty about the quality of another deck builder. Um, but I, I think this conference gave me the confidence that it stands on its own merits as something that's mm-hmm. unique uh, that stands apart from other deck builders it's uh, absolutely by, by no means the best right. one out there but it's it's different enough to be uh to be worth someone's time and yeah. i'm it's really nice to hear that from other people that i, mm-hmm. I know or that i respect or both so thank you no, no, i wouldn't worry too much about there being too many deck builders i mean it's kind of like saying there's too many trick-taking games like it's it's a good basic but that's true though it's gonna be <laughs> used a lot you know like yeah like you said it, it if you're just redoing something that's already been done that's one thing but doing right, right. a very common mechanic that people know and like in a different way is always yeah. a valid thing i think and in your yeah i mean that's that's the ticket right is when you design something that is familiar but different and that's one of the things and i honestly i think you being a newer designer is is a great time to have tackled the um to have tackled the deck builder because you have less experience with them than somebody who's been designing for say several, you know, Mm -hmm. years, five, six years or something. And has played a ton of deck builders. Um, I think you're more influenced then by this is what deck builders do, right? You get kind of those hard rules. Like I I know that I've seen before with some of my roll and write games where people will say like, Oh, you know, roll and write games, your choices have to get smaller as, the game progresses and i'm like but do they like do they have to like that's just what roland rights tend to do but that doesn't mean that's the only way and i think that some of the choices you made in the deck builder are definitely different than i've seen in in, in other deck builders and i think that's awesome because that's what makes it fresh and new um and the other thing i wanted to just throw out there really quick was um you mentioned you know getting the time of, of publishers and, and developers who are willing to try your game that is the magic of small cons at Gen Con. That would never happen unless you were like BFFs with that publisher. And then they still might not have time for you. Um, But Grand Con, Geekway, these little conventions like that, that's where you get personal time with publishers and with other people in the industry because nobody's got anything that they have to do. Um, And they, that's why they're there is to do that stuff. So, so yeah, that's yeah, that, you you started at a good one. When you go to Gen Con someday, it's not going to be like that. It's going to be awful. So yeah, <laughs> you're really selling it. Yeah, no, you do Gen Con for the spectacle, but um, yeah, yeah, it's definitely yeah. its own beast for sure. Gen Con is an event that you like. You go to Gen Con because it's Gen Con, and it is it is it's a spectacle and it's worth going to. 
Um, and you might be able to do some pitches at Gen Con, but like you need to set those up now. Right. You don't like, walk or two months ago. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, you can, and I've seen it work, but like, it's not, I mean, I've never met a publisher that was excited that somebody walked up to their table and said, Hey, do you have some time to look at this game right now while you're working your booth trying to make money? Like I've never seen, I've seen publishers say yes many times, but I've never seen a publisher be like, whew, I love when this happens. Let me step away and <laughs> sure. stop making money so that I can look at a game. Well, um, and, and huge, huge thank you to Carla and to Joe for, you know, for doing that, for finding someone to cover. Uh, and oh, for making and time. congrats to Joe, by the way, Joe is the new developer for Grand Gamers Guild. Um, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. So that was uh, announced uh, right around the time of Geekway. So Joe is a great dude. Uh, Mark's a good guy to work with, and I'm really excited for them. I think they're going to be a good team. Obviously, Joe designed uh, the Endangered games that uh, Grand Gamers Guild has done. Uh, yeah, and I think he's going to be a fantastic developer for them. I think they're lucky to have him. So. I agree. He he has he seems like he's got a really good head on his shoulders, and and specifically around development too. That is not something that many people have a, a mind for and he's he had the mm -hmm. way that he looked at my games and pinpointed key uh, aspects of them that would need development that would need improvement um i, I think he's going to do really well there and i'm excited to see um the other projects that he's working on in the future me too yeah and also shout out just because carla's awesome so anybody that knows <laughs> carla knows carla's awesome but shout out to carla for being for being awesome She's got a great company and, and yeah, and she's, she's a really good person. So I was uh, happy I could pick up gifted tulips there. I know I, with the cost of shipping, it was nice to not have to <laughs> Michael bought make, it. Yeah. Make her yep. pay for shipping. <laughs> but also I got another game that it wasn't exactly free, but I'd already paid for it. So it was kind mm -hmm. of, <laughs> so I, Michael, I'm curious just because I know, like you said, you kind of, cold called a, a few publishers at the con and, and just like, how was that experience being your first time really pitching in person and, and just, and I know, I know you pitched a couple, I don't know if they were how like soft pitches or, or actual sort of more official hard pitches, but I don't know. Just how was that? Yeah. Um, so I'm not exactly sure how it should be done. So I don't know if I <laughs> correctly. Uh, I'll start off by saying that I, um, I try to be a very authentic person and I try to take that into my pitching. Um, I'm not looking for just anyone to, to publish or work with anything. My only goal with pitching a game is to find a group of people that, uh, or a person that likes the game uh, and thinks it could be successful like I could and want to share it with more people. At this point I've made a game and I've got to show it to people and I'm really happy with it. Uh, I, I'm, it's not a career thing for me. So I just wanted to find someone that, uh, felt the same way. And that's, that's the attitude I, I took. Um, when I, I went to, uh, try and pitch to some people, I, um, I, I knew of Mark because I, um, because I, I know Jason and I know Jonathan and I, I walked up to his booth and I, I said, hi, and I bought one of his games and I talked to him for a little bit. And then I was scared, but I just asked him, I said, Hey, are you taking any pitches? And he said, uh, he said, not really. Uh, and I was like, well, that's fine. Uh, thanks. Cool. Nice to, nice to talk to you. I think he said he, they, that he would, it wasn't against pitches, but he would have, uh, he had a really long backlog. And then I, I honestly don't remember how it transitioned, but, uh, somehow Joe ended up sitting down and looking at crowded kitchen. And I do not, I honestly, that's a blank spot in my mind, uh, from Thursday night, but there was some transition there where I just started hanging out to him and talking to him. 
and he said, hey, I've got a few minutes. Why don't I see the game of yours? Um, and that's how that started. Uh, I had talked to a few of the other publishers before over email and sent them sell sheets and had talked to them. And so I approached those booths a little bit more confidently and just said, hi, I'm here. I'm the person you met. I have the game with me uh, and you showed some interest online. Did you want to look at it? None of those people are interested in pitches. And I said, that's cool. Have a good day. No, thanks for talking to me. And that kind of got my uh, got some of the jitters out of the way. Um, the thing with Carla was um, was completely caught me by surprise. Uh, I, I talked to her about some of her games because I had heard about Weird Giraffe from Jason. I wanted to understand what they did better and um, and asked her about her games because I genuinely wanted to know more about them and because one of them looked perfect for my mom, which is why I bought Gifted Tulips. And at the end, just because I felt like I should, I asked her if uh, they were interested in receiving pitches. And she said, actually, they were. Um, but not just any, and to check her website to see the details. And so I did. And I looked at it, and most of the games that I have aren't a good fit for them. But the clearing actually matched every single line item on what they were looking for. And so I came back, and I, I said, I've got this game. I looked online where you told me to, and I honestly think this might be a good fit. Can I give you a... a 15 second overview and if you like that i can show you more and and we just kind of went from there and so i tried to be extremely respectful of their time and if there was interest i would give a little bit more um and wanted to show as much of the game as they wanted to see because i had no interest in overstaying my welcome with someone because what good is it if i win the time of someone that doesn't want to do anything with my game like that's not a win at all um <laughs> so i guess to answer your question like to sum it all up, it was a little scary. It was a lot of fun. It was really, uh, it was really encouraging because the people that I talked to were really respectful of, of my time. And um, even when the game wasn't a good fit for them, if they took time to look at it, they gave me really helpful feedback, which was uh, useful for me and at their the cost of their own time. So I appreciate that. And um, and I, I feel like I got to meet some people. And uh, even if I never pitch them a game again, uh, it'll be a friendly face and someone to talk to and someone to mm -hmm. see their new games at the next time I go to a con. So uh, I enjoyed it a lot. And I think it might be a while till I can do that again because I like to pitch products, games that are really far into development. And it, it will be a year or two before I get any of the games I'm currently working on to the level that the clearing is at, I think. Um, but maybe I can pitch those same games to some new people if... Uh, if I, if I don't find a match for him soon. Mm -hmm. And that really relationships is what this industry is built on. I, I firmly believe that. So anytime you can make a new connection um, and a new relationship with, uh, with, with anyone in the industry who, who's good people, like, you know, the people you're mentioning that really um, that that's, that's fantastic. Cause, because they'll be your friends, you know, there'll be somebody you can help support somebody that will help support you. And, um, yeah. And, you know, I mean, I, with the podcast, that's always, you know, my thing is like, Hey, I'd like to meet people. And then I can have people on the podcast. I can promote their stuff. And, you know, how, how can we all help each other out? Because I mean, it's an industry that's, that's big, but it's small. Right. Hmm. So yeah, it's one of those industries that's both. I, well, I think the size of the industry combined with the number of small publishers actually adds to it in the sense that it's so overwhelming that, people want to work with someone they know and trust. <laughs> and so, you know, when it's a whole lot of strangers, you'll gravitate towards someone who's a little less of a stranger to you, I think kind of naturally. So, um, yeah, I, I think those two things actually, uh, actually correspond to each other pretty well. 
And there's oh, enough, wow. enough publishers out there now that it also doesn't feel like a closed club either. You know, it's, it's mm-hmm. like a small industry. It's like 12 people that all know each other. So they all promote each other where this is like, it's a big industry. So there's just so many open doors or possibility for open doors, but they're small enough that you can still go through them. You know, <laughs> like you don't start out pitching to Asmodee or whatever. <laughs> Speaking of which, and I, I, I should have mentioned this, I, I forgot to, but the reason I got to pitch the clearing to Joe was because Jason told Joe that it was a good game. So thank you, Jason, for opening that yeah. that door for me. And I know you meant that authentically too. We weren't trying to pull any strings. Yeah, no, you, I mean, again, you, it's a, you share oh, that God, with sorry. him. And yeah. because you and him have, you know, that you know each other and there's some relationship there, I was able to make that connection too and get his fantastic advice on the game because right. of your recommendation. So thank you. Yeah, no, and I mean, I'm friends with you. I'm friends with him. I'm friends with Mark. I've worked with Mark and him before. And so I don't, there's no reason for me to be like, oh, you should really check this game out if I don't believe in it, right? <laughs> because it's a mm-hmm. disservice to all of us, you know, including, you know, them. When I said, you should look at this, uh, that got their attention, um, and and I lose that privilege of that if I start sending them games that are completely off brand for them. Yeah, don't send uh, them hot garbage. Yeah, yeah. So, but I I try very hard if I'm going to send say to someone you should talk to this publisher. I try very hard to to think it through and make sure that I think it's a good fit for them. Um, yeah, because I want it to be a positive for everybody involved. The last thing I want to do is send you somewhere and then they're like, "What? This is no. We would never do this." And Michael, I think you're, you've got the right tone in, in that you don't want to waste anybody's time and you don't want to take advantage of, because like, you know, I got to know Jason Katarski and through the podcast basically. And of course, in the back of my head, of course, I'm like, Hey, this is a publisher. Maybe someday I can get a game published through him. But like, I would never, you know you know, like you still just respect the fact that it's, you know, we're friends. And if I think I have something that'll fit, I definitely will bring it up. But like no hard feelings. If he says, no, it's not going to end our friendship because our friendship isn't based on him publishing one of my games. So like, yeah, I think you've got the right idea. Like never hurts to be friendly and fine, but also respect the t- their time as well. And, you know, yeah. If I, if I make a match with the publisher, that's great. If I make a friend that I can see at the next con, that's honestly a little bit better. So that's, that's what I'm going for. Right. It's true. Well, Hey, this has been an awesome discussion that has went for quite a while now. Uh, I'm impressed at how long we've, we've rambled on about good conversations here. So, um, yeah, so that was geek way. That was all of our experiences. Is there anything that anybody else that we missed that you wanted to throw out there before we were, uh, before we finish here? If you want to go to Geekway next year, or honestly, even if you just come to St. Louis sometime, I'm happy to, there's lots of good stuff to do here. So I'm happy to, I like to show off my city. Uh, so let me know. And I'm always happy to show people around or point you to the best board game shops. Hope to see you next year, Nate. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Awesome. Okay. Well. Let's do the end of the show bit then. Thank you guys for being on here. This was a good time. I really enjoyed it. And uh, yeah. So listeners, if you want to get in touch with us, you can, of course, go to buildinggamepodcast.com. There you can find our uh, Discord link. You can also email us at buildinggamepodcast at gmail.com. One of the best places to find us is on the Twitter. 
at podcast btg at ja slingerland michael is at wonderful games uh that's o-n-e-derful games um and then also kelly is at kenny ho k-e-n-e-h-o and nate is at nate darty and yeah find us all on there and please keep coming back every single week but until next time good night good night night Good night. Building the game, building the game with Jason and friends, with Jason and friends. Building the game, building the game with Jason and friends, with Jason and friends. The end of the episode, that's when it technically ends.